Let's uh, do it. Wait, well, give me a sec. Sure. <laughs> Perfect. Look, All right, I'm good. You're looking good. Everybody in chat, tell Jenkins he looks beautiful today. Welcome, everybody, to Alchemy Answers episode 22. Thank you so much for joining us here live on YouTube. And if you're listening to this on YouTube after the fact, why aren't you watching it live? And every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So relax, man. You're just coming out like straight out of the gates with some aggression towards our. Those are microaggressions, if I've ever heard them. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like that's my. That's at least micro assault. You know what I mean? Which is illegal in at least 52 states. Listen, okay. If you're watching this on YouTube, we love you. If you're watching this live, we love you just a little bit more because we actually get questions from you that we can answer. So, you know, you help us make the content, and for that, you get a gold star. This is from Turtle, of course. What What is your opinion on making crazy plays that could make a lot of space in pubs? Example, sniping couriers, ratting, dragging three to five heroes to use somewhere um, random on the map, forcing big spell cooldowns. Do you think these kinds of plays are worth it in pubs? I'm mainly referring to position two, but I'd also like to hear uh, about which positions these kinds of plays are worth it for and which ones they're not. I'm glad you mentioned that last... Uh, part of the question because i think it really does depend on um both your role the heroes on your team and the players on your team like a lot of the time in pubs there are people who won't take space when it's given to them which means that it would be problematic for you to be running around and making space like that um so, for example, like if you have five of the enemy team in, in the bottom lane a lot of the time that won't won't result in your uh, juggernaut leaving the jungle and pushing uh, a, t a tier one. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't do it if you can make a very efficient play uh, by doing that. You just need to, in, in pubs, have a gauge of the people on your team and whether or not they'll take space from you. And if you make space for somebody and they take it, then you can, you can continue to do that. But if they don't take the space, then I think you should adjust. If you're in like a competitive environment with a team, obviously it would depend on the players and the dynamic of your team, but you're not getting the same people every time. So you kind of need to test the waters in pubs and adjust. And I would also say, um, I know Turtle, you play a lot of like Invoker, you play a lot of like Storm Spirit. <clears throat> These heroes are... If, if, if you're dying to do that, it's not worth it, but these heroes can also do it relatively safely. Like, for instance, you can Meteor Wave, force the wave in, and anything comes to Kenku, you, and you have Ghost Walk, or with Storm, like, you zip behind the wave and then just zip TP out. Like, if you can do it safely, then yes, do it. But just remember, like, the higher your farm priority is, the more of a huge risk it is to to make these plays. Because if you, because if you die... And you're making this space is kind of like, well, you know, the offlaner and the support should be the ones making space. But if you can do it for free, then yeah, it's it's always good. Um, in fact, a lot of the time, like, uh, I I I recently have been smurfing a little bit, and I queued into my girlfriend because we were over at my brother-in-law's watching the dog, so we had two computers to use, and we were both queuing, and we got the same game, which was hilarious. And I was on the enemy team. And of course, she was on the enemy team of me. I was playing Storm Spirit, and I could just hear her being like, "Stop chasing him! Stop chasing him! He's making space! Stop chasing him!" Because I was just like, <clears throat> I was just like kind of screwing around, like trying to be funny because she's on the enemy team. So I was, um, you know, cutting waves of Storm Spirit, like at the tier threes, and her entire team would TP away from like right in front of our base 
to try to chase me and like their doom would follow me through the trees for like five minutes and then i just tp out and i go farm somewhere else and now the entire map is clear because the enemy team is in their base because they were chasing me in their base and in that situation i was actually making space for myself it's just that on storm spirit like you can you can take that space so basically my answer to this question to sum it all up is it depends on the context uh but in general it is good if you don't die yep uh yeah i think that i just wanted to elaborate on one of the points that you made about kind of reading your team i think it i think that is in of itself is a skill that a lot of people could benefit from practicing just kind of like making a legitimate read of your team don't just assume that all my team are, are idiots or if you're having a game that your team's all good or smurfs or that your team will automatically do the right thing or automatically do the wrong thing i think you need to kind of accurately actively interpret what your team is doing where they're going and try to just like predict what they might do and if they're being very unpredictable then you know that is what they're going to do and and you can just kind of like play your own game and ignore what your team might be doing in that case and, and i do have to say that it doesn't seem to depend on like mmr brackets so i'm in low priority on the smurf so i'm getting placed to like a lot of legends a lot of archons and stuff like that and uh, FYI, the low priority is because I had to abandon to play NADCL because I forgot about it, which is dumb, but it's not from like being a toxic piece of shit. Um, although, you know, I want to be, I want to say all these things to these people. I don't, anyway, uh, I'm just kidding. But so basically this, uh, what was like, where was I going with that? I actually completely lost my fucking train of thought by defending my, my own toxicity. Um, oh yeah, I've been playing with like a lot of legends and, and archons and stuff like that. And it doesn't seem like, uh, taking space is something that's like purely a high skill thing or making space is something that's like purely a high skill thing more so it's like if you're playing with uh archons legends whatever like the lower brackets are people will be very good at certain things but they'll just be pretty shitty at like quite a lot of things but that doesn't mean like they won't be good at taking space so basically what i'm saying is if 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 you're in a, even like a, a low bracket i don't think it's going to be true where you can just assume that your team will never take that space because it's just that the reason that these people are like lower rated is not because they're bad at everything. It's because they're very good at certain things. But the list of things that they're bad at is not as small as people who are in the bracket above. Uh, from Rizwan Danish, which who says, or Danish, sorry if I'm getting your name wrong, but how to win as a support when your team has four carries and one support and itemization. And so... I know it sucks, but your best option to be to be perfectly honest in that scenario is to buy a ton of wards, and a ton of sentries, and a ton of smokes, and prioritize getting an urn because nobody else in your team will have it. And having sustain is really important when you have four carries because you'll likely win a fight at some point, and then everybody will be lads and then lads as well. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest, if you're buying all these wards. There's a very good chance that you're not going to be able to get any other items. I think that. Oh come on, Vlad's is cheap. I think that, is... I think that urn is the most important item to have a, on a support. Oh for sure, for sure. Yeah, it's 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 very cheap. It's very cost effective. Yeah. And Focus it's... on buying cost effective items. Exactly. So like no, nobody else is going to buy those. Urn, Vlad's medallion, um, glimmer. If you can possibly manage it, <clears throat> and you know, like buy a bunch of clarities. You can even run around with some some salves if you don't have an urn. And just you know, basically allow your team to be four carries because that's how you win with four carries on your team. You don't you don't win with four carries on your team by like going Midas and then 
thing like screw my team i'm gonna do whatever i want um if you actually want to win a game with four carries first of all pick ogre number one you can just bloodlust your four carries and then you win the game number two you just buy wards and sentries pretty much the entire game and practice your warding skills and just keeping vision on the other team yeah that's that's definitely the most game winning but boring thing you can do yep unfortunately <laughs> Dude, I I've like I've I've realized lately that Dota Dota is such like a there's such a balance there's such a balance to Dota when it comes to like uh playing with your team sometimes playing away from your team like there's levels to Dota where it's like you can focus on like the player by player aspect where you're actually trying to babysit people and focusing on like the psychology. Or you can ignore everybody and just be really good at playing your own game. And there's like the meta aspect of like picking. Like there's so much. There's so much to this game in terms of levels where at each level you can be winning or losing pubs depending how, on how good you are at it. And it's not even related to like playing the game itself. It's always like these like metaphysical questions about like reality of like what's the best way to deal with somebody who's suffering a psychotic meltdown and, and feeding couriers down mid what's the best way to deal with somebody who's suffering a psychotic meltdown and feeding couriers down mid across many games like do you need to keep your own sanity in that situation can you save their sanity like is there a way that you can play in that within that game where you could win with the few God, there's just there's so much i i almost feel like mechanics are irrelevant in dota like <laughs> They are, but they're, they aren't. Like depending on how you look at it. Right. They're not they're not completely irrelevant, but if you have like super godlike mechanics, it's only gonna take you that far. If if you have super godlike communication, it's only gonna take you so far. If you have super godlike drafting, it's only gonna take you so far. If you put all those pieces together, then suddenly you're an immortal player. Like that's basically what it comes down to. Like there's some people that like it seems like they just do one of them though. Yeah. And then other people they do everything kind of well. Some people seems like they do none of it well, but their attitude is amazing. Yeah. And it's like I have I have no way of saying like what the I guess it just goes to show that in life in general there's like room for everybody. Like you if you're just like a unique person who's just good at certain things, you don't need to be good at everything. You don't need to be really good at anything. You can't if be you're really just good like at everything. That's the that is course. the biggest thing that Dota players need to learn because I know that you and I both struggle with this. If you look at all of our bad months or bad weeks of losses, it's because we're playing like 40 different heroes during the week. And Dude, I, I went ham on my brother-in-law for doing that. He was like so dumb. It's so dumb because if you think about the pros, and we've talked about this in videos, they play like six heroes throughout the course of like a, a three-month patch. Like six Dude, heroes. the way I see it, like if Miracle can't play more that if like miracle and mind control are playing like five or six different heroes then there's no fucking way that you can gain mmr with 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 doing something different than them like these are the best players in the world and they're playing like five or six heroes like if you want to get better than the point that you're at you need to get very good at five or six heroes that that's that's the that's the only way because like going back to it we talk about dota having all these levels to it that's why you can only know four to five heroes because that's a subset of information that isn't quite too much. It's still a lot, and that's why like Miracle and Mind Control, five to six heroes, knowing them as well as they do is actually very impressive. 
Um, yeah, so maybe even for people it, like us, it's like two to three, yeah, two to you, three heroes. If you think about it, think about your your best hero, your absolute favorite hero, and think about if you've ever felt confused about what to buy or what to do in a game. <clears throat> like, to get to the point where you feel like you know what to do in basically every scenario on one hero could take literally thousands of games on that hero. And so, like, even just being really good at a hero takes a lot of time and dedication. While certain heroes are similar, for the most part, there's so many nuances to it, like knowing exactly when to use an ability, when to use an item, when to go for the super situational item that will actually win you the game. It's just stuff that you, you can never where, really know where to you know it. Where to play on the map? Do I play exactly. with my team? Do I push at this point? Do I play around the Roche pit? Do I ward? Do I switch lanes? Like, do I play with one support? Do I play with two supports and gank and make space for the two other heroes who are farming our jungle and their jungle or their jungle and then their other jungle? Like, there's so many permutations. And then, like, the meta shifts. So, like, their Roche pit is in a different place. There's different heroes being picked. So that makes it even harder. Yeah. So basically, like, there's there's too much information in Dota at a given point that you cannot know, like, 40 heroes because... The amount of information, what do we have in our brain? Like two pentabytes of, of, of data that we can store or something like that? Is it, I'm not going to Google it, but we have, we have a lot, like, you know, two to 5,000 terabytes that we can store of, of information. And the amount of permutations in Dota um, for, you know, learning like 40 heroes, it is, it is surely uh, more information than your brain could reasonably process. And, yeah. and that is why even the best of the best play you know, five, five to six heroes. And the anyway, last thing that I wanted to say before we go on to our Discord things is like, it's just an anecdotal experience that I had the other day where I played in a game with this guy and he fucking sucked. He was so, so bad. Like, oh, you're just, playing with yourself? Or just, what? Yeah, I mean, it was me, but I was <laughs> relentlessly feeding. It was absolutely awful. It felt like I had no, it felt like he had absolutely no idea what he was doing. And I looked at his profile and he'd gone from like, I don't know, like Legend Two to Ancient Three in like two weeks. I was like, "How the fuck did this guy get there?" It's obviously a booster. So, because I have a more of a sense of curiosity, I wanted to know if this guy was actually a booster. I go in and I look at his Dota buff, and it had nothing to do with being boosted. It's just the fact that he literally only played Kunkka for two months. And he won like 80% of those games. And then this game that he was playing with me, he was playing like off lane something or support like Shadow Shaman. I can't remember, but something that's completely the opposite of Kunkka. And sure enough, he had no clue what he was doing. He was probably like a 1K Shadow Shaman player, but maybe like a 4K Kunkka player. It's like <laughs> that that kind of thing is completely possible. Been there, man. Holy shit. <laughs> oh, God. Playing heroes that you don't know how to play, like, you feel like it'll be fine, but then you're just lost. Yeah, you get and... lost so easily. <clears throat> okay. We got a Hockey Leaner, a.k.a. Uh, Kuroki. Congratulations on winning uh, MDL, by the way. That was a fantastic uh, fantastic play by you. Yeah, um, it's good, so to got... see, good to see him back in the in the winner's seat again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Especially, like, I think probably getting replay analysis from us on his Smurf, like, called Hockey Leaner, is has definitely helped. Um, quite a bit in Kuroki's play. Uh, as a safe laner, position 5, wondering what's the best way to deal with versing offlaners who can cut the lane or harass and challenge the pull camp, i.e. versal back, undying, axe. So uh, when it comes to creep cutting, basically there's 
there's a there's a few options, and you just uh, probably the most important thing in in my experience with creep cutting that you sh that as a support you should get used to is picking a point where you're just done trying to contest the guy because the longer and longer you contest somebody who's creep cutting, you're getting no experience and they're getting experience. So, like at the start, you'll be able to contest somebody and bully them, but eventually, even if they die, they'll be getting levels. They'll be like level three, level four. And then you can't contest them anymore because you're a level one hero contesting a level three or four hero. And remember, as a safe lane support, your in your entire goal is to provide your core with farm. And if somebody's creep cutting, then your core is very likely farming very comfortably under the tower. That's why creep cutting has kind of fallen off to some degree. That's why people would pick anti mage against creep cutting. You'd think like anti mage versus axe. That's in it. How is that a counter? But it's more so that anti mage can literally solo that lane. Axe can just go creep cut, and anti mage will essentially be creep cutting on his own. And then you have a free farm solo anti mage, and then a support that can roam around and do stuff. Yep. So essentially, like you need to like realize that your job and feel comfortable that your job is being done uh, by by that guy choosing to creep cut. And for a while, you can contest them, but there hits a certain point where you need to not do that. And if you have kill heroes, like if you have some you know shadow shaman or bane or or just any hero that's good at setting up a kill on these heroes, like you can kill them at level one, maybe kill them until you feel like you need to leave. And then once you leave, go get some levels somewhere else, kill somewhere else, rotate with another support and kill that guy cutting the wave. Like you need to play that as if it's kind of the solo lane. And then you'll have some guy free farming. You'll have a free kill. Anytime you go and rotate there with your other support, the issue arises when you're, when you're creep cut, when somebody's creep cutting and the support sits there and does nothing and then falls behind. And all of a sudden that guy's not a kill anymore. Cause he has an advantage. You'd be surprised. Like, dude, I've been playing ability draft lately. And this is once again, another tangent. And I've, I've gotten some like insane builds where I got a, I got sticky napalm and then overload. Right. So mm. I was able to sticky napalm and then overload, hit somebody sticky napalm, overload, hit somebody. So I had permanent overload and I fed because I, I got so far behind at the start that everybody was like two or three levels above me. They had these dumb skills, like some Batrider had Firefly plus the Windranger, like Rapid Fire Ultimate, and then like three, two other abilities that made no sense. He was owning me because he had items, he had levels, and I didn't. So basically what I'm saying is like playing Ability Draft has made me realize how hard it is to play Dota when you are at a deficit of experience and gold. No matter what hero you are, no matter what skills you have, so you need to do your best to ensure that you're not allowing that guy's creep cutting to put you at that deficit when it's just not necessary, uh, because then you won't be able to go back and kill him. But if you can go and have a good game elsewhere, anti-mage or whoever's farming the safe lane has a good game, you come back and kill that guy. Like, he's not an issue. In fact, he's feeding you free gold. But if you can't kill him because you're putting yourself behind because you're trying to deal with him for no reason, then that's a problem, because then he's unkillable, and you're the support, so you should be able to kill him. Yeah. Anyway, that was a very long answer to that simple relatively simple question <laughs> yeah let's know though uh i don't have a whole lot to add it's uh, something that we've okay. talked about before if you feel like you can't actually contribute anything and don't kid yourself that you're contributing something by right clicking a guy who's taking like 20 percent of his health and then still farming that's that's not actually contesting him at all like you have to actually threaten them with death that's the that's yeah. the only reason you should ever contest somebody that's why somebody like dazzle is pretty good at dealing with creep cutters because you can force them to just take infinite poison stack or undying is pretty good because you can make them take like way more damage than they would otherwise because they're at like 200 hp 
they have no strength. Yeah, like you've actual kill potential on yeah. these heroes. Other than that, you should just take it as a free invitation to become a roamer. Like basically is what it comes down to. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 hard for that enemy team to deal with two roaming supports. Like yeah. it's it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. It's a good thing that that happens. Like you should revel in that opportunity. Um, so Arfax asks, "Is roaming and ganking back?" You made a comment about it in your most recent meta report. If it is, in what circumstances does it make sense? Is it only in tri-lane situations, or is there general roaming in all lane scenarios? I'll let you take this one first, Donnie, because I, I know you just made a, a whole video on this. Okay, I would say that roaming is on its way back. I think that it's still somewhat situational, depending a lot on the mid-hero, whether the mid-hero is gankable. If it's like Alina, Shadowfiend, something like that, Zeus, Sniper, whatever, Viper even. Um it's definitely viable to have something like a clockwork or a shadow shaman or somebody that can pair up with another mid hero. Let's say you have a shadow fan and you're against Alina or a Viper or a Huskar get to the point where you have enough damage between the two of you or even three of you. And then you can smoke around behind them as they're being aggressive. I think that that's one of the biggest things is you can roam if you see the mid lane being aggressive, but it's really, really hard to dive early on. So I would say that roaming is back to some extent. I wouldn't say that you should just automatically roam every game because, like you said, it's really bad if you're at a huge deficit in both farm and experience. And so if you can... And, and some people can roam at different levels. Like you were just saying that you learned a lot from, from Cupe's Pudge. And one of the things that he does is he basically sits in lane until he's like level three or so, getting experience and helping out the lane. And then yeah. he feels more comfortable actually doing something once he has boots. He gets it, boots too, yeah. yeah. And it makes a lot more sense because he can actually roam without like 250 movement speed or whatever he's at without boots, you know? Like these are all considerations. Uh, you know, roaming on a hero that has 320 movement speed is way better than roaming on a hero that has 290 movement speed. So there's all sorts of little considerations that you, sh you can make. Um, when you decide whether you should roam. One of the reasons that Bounty Hunter can roam is because he has 315, 320 movement speed, something like that. He ends up with like 375 movement speed when he has boots or phase boots. And of course, it's much easier to jet from one lane to the other with Bounty Hunter, that scenario. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, I, think, um, I think there's like a couple of... I was, well, I was talking to Nusham about this the other day and basically he was saying that like uh there are there are different ways that people are playing the game in competitive in terms of like roaming uh he was saying that like pudge kind of plays opposite to how most people play where essentially like people will start roaming with like an earth spirit and then at you know like four to five minutes they'll sit in a tri lane just to just because they can because they have like level two level three and all of a sudden they're really strong at killing in the lane uh, maybe the heroes that they had left and that they were they were um, ditching when they were roaming, they're higher levels, so they have kill potential. So Earth Spirit will sit in a tri lane and just keep killing and making a lane like total free farm, get levels, make that lane a bad area for the enemy team, enemy team rotates out of it, and then Earth Spirit starts rotating again once that lane has been secured. That's like one way of doing it, right? It's like a complicated uh, pseudo, pseudo roaming uh, laning sort of situation depending on power spikes. Pudge works the opposite, where you want to get like level two, level three, and then you just hard roam for the rest of the game, and you're 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 more than happy doing that on Pudge. So it depends on the hero, and it depends on power spikes. And roaming has gotten a lot more complicated than it used to be, where you just run between lanes. But it is most certainly back, and I think there will be 
a lot for us to learn watching roamers in tournaments in the next couple of months because yep. like i said I, th- I think that it's gotten far more complicated than just playing like some earth spirit running between two lanes there's times you, sh- you should try lane there's times that you should start in a tri lane then roam then go back to a tri lane there's 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 a lot of uh variables to it now but it is most certainly going to be uh going to be back especially when people start winning tournaments by by doing it yeah i think that's actually a good point to end on for this question is that it really is about kind of like switching between a few different phases as a support. It's like, okay, now for the next minute or two, I can roam to the mid lane because we actually have kill potential between my hero and the mid hero. But then maybe one level later, or if you don't have mana because you just got a kill in the mid lane, you need to sit in lane and get some experience that way. Because it used to be, right, you'd go gank a mid lane, you kill them, you run to the bounties, you pick them up, you get a bunch of experience, you run to the bottom lane, you kill them, you run pick up the bounties again you go to the mid lane you kill them and like that was the rotation but now without the bounty experience and without the the kill experience being that high you really have to be pretty cognizant of like making sure that you're shifting to sort of like soaking a little bit of experience or taking a jungle camp here and there or if your gank doesn't work out and maybe your mid laner dies and maybe you get the kill and your mid laner dies then you sit in the mid lane and you get like a wave of creeps until the mid laner comes back and that's how you kind of keep up while you are roaming i am new here and i need some help because i'm omega tilted i'm glad we talked about depression a little bit and, and emotions and stuff uh right now and it's been like 10 to 11 days i've only been losing on my solo without even failing my lane once i always have a huge impact in game and a very good behavior with the team but for the last two days, I've been Omega Tilted from what's happening. I used to spam Kunkka, Pugna, OD, Ember, and a lot of heroes past, but now in the, in the past, but nowadays, I can't even think of a hero that have a lot of impact to spam all my games and get some wins. I need advice, guys, because I'm really tilted and sad. Thanks. I'll play um, Dota for a while. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. If you have been tilted for 10 to 11, uh, 10 to 11 days, even like two days of feeling like your teams are just awful. It's probably not true. Like, a lot of the time what'll happen is you'll get four or five games with unreasonable teammates. It feels really bad. You're getting stomped every game. And if you're anything like me, who bases your self-respect on fucking video games, then this will... uh, Destroy you. Destroy you in terms of confidence, in terms of just your perspective and mentality. And then the next games are regular games it's just that you're focusing on the bad ones and if anything bad in these games happens you're just immediately like this is going to be like all of the other games yes but really you're probably back to the point where your games are normal you shouldn't be losing but you're just in a very depressive state and what you need to focus on is not what hero to spam how to get better it's none of this like dota related stuff what you should be focusing on is do something to like find your happy place I personally drink a lot of tea. If anybody knows any tea sponsors, I'd fucking kill for a tea sponsor. But I drink a lot of tea. That puts me to my happy place. I, I take baths. I, lo- I love baths and turn the lights off and just fucking think. I like going for walks. Like These things will, will make me, um, will ground me mentally and make me reset. And it's just about forcing yourself to do these things that just make you genuinely happy and genuinely relaxed. I'm like key emphasis here on forcing because it's not easy. You want to play Dota. That's the problem. Like you you have to drag yourself off of these things 
go for a walk if that's your thing. For me, it is. Maybe that will make you feel better, but it'll reset you a little bit and then do another thing and then do another thing. And then on like the second or third thing, you will actually have been reset. You don't want to trick yourself into being reset. You want to force yourself to just do things that relaxes you, that will mentally reset you until um, until you are actually reset. And then go play Dota when you actually want to play Dota. And I think you'll see that the games feel different despite being exactly exactly the same. Yeah, that's I don't even I, think that you should put that sort of finishing touch in there, which is that play Dota when you want to play Dota. Just force yourself to not play for like a few days. Really important because when you come back, you will want to play naturally. Um, or either that or you'll just like stop wanting to play. That's, I mean, I suppose that's also possible. But just impose a a ban on playing Dota for a few days or at least... You know, if if it's like one game that tilts you, ban yourself from playing Dota until maybe the night if you played it in the or, or until the next day. And I think you'll find that if you take time away from the game, you will suddenly like within within a day or two. This is always ha- happens to me if I get really tilted, like I go on a, a losing streak. Um, maybe I'm just feeling really bad about my play. Maybe I'm feeling bad about my teams. Doesn't really matter. But within a couple of hours of, like, let's say I take my dogs to the park and I'm, like, outside in nature and I'm watching my dogs play and just seeing how happy they are and feeling good because I'm just, like, outside and doing something. Also, Dude, I got to... Also, I, no, I got to interrupt there because okay. that's that's the important... Like, that's yeah. the really important thing to me is doing doing something that forces a perspective change. Like, that's what's amazing. That's like what works amazingly, I should say, because like you watching your dogs makes you realize like, fuck, man, they're just so happy to be alive. Like they're just yeah. so happy to be prancing around, and it, it gives you like a, an idea of like you're just basing your happiness off of one thing. You're just basing your your uh, tiltability, your depression, or whatever anger or whatever it is off of one thing, and you could just base it as easily off of somebody off of something else. Like every single person on the planet has a different thing that makes them happy, a different thing that makes them upset. And they change all the time. It just so happens that yours is currently Dota. And, and you've you gotten in the to... habit of having Dota be your main focus and your main source of happiness. And so that's why it's so important to ban yourself from that source of happiness because you'll realize that you were happy before you started playing Dota. You've experienced right. that many times. You've, you've just give a... yourself another source. That's yeah. all you want to do is... is is give yourself another source or at least at least understand do something that makes you understand like there are uh tons of other sources infinite sources some people like mountain climbing There's some people like ways, biking man to be happy there is dude. <laughs> <laughs> i guess it's just like, like that old hippie dude it's like i guess it's, it's just like perspective get it out it's, the it's, it's not really about like <laughs> i guess it's not really about happiness it's more of like dota matters to you only because it matters to you like Money matters to you only because it matters to you. Power matters to somebody only because it matters to them. But certain people, certain people in life, they want to compete at a high level in something. Certain people, they want power. Certain people, they want to have accomplished something that's very unique. Certain people want to travel. Like there are so many perspectives so that are all equally viable because really when it boils down to it, I don't know if you guys are religious or believe in some metaphysical theories or whatever, but 
basically it looks like nothing fucking matters right so just like whatever you're basing your life off of is wrong but also right because everything is neutral and the, the equation the equation will eventually equal zero you know it's all negatives and positives and it just depends on what you focus on the, yeah. the negative which of the positives you focus on which of the negatives you focus on none of it really matters so basically do do something that will just make you focus on like another positive that's or even another negative be like oh cancer cancer is awful there's cancer in the world you're not gonna be thinking about dota if you realize there's cancer in the world that's actually helped me where it's like why am i so upset over a fucking stupid video game yeah at least my family's alive right right even even (laughs) even even if like i won ti or lost in a ti i wouldn't trade that experience for like my mom not being alive or something like like there are very bad things that could happen that are much worse than like the negative of any of the greatest things i could accomplish in dota yeah uh, it's pretty it's pretty dark but uh this guy this uh kind of motivational speaker that i have listened to for periods um likes to say that the way that he keeps himself in, in perspective is to just imagine like everybody that he loves dying and then realize that because that hasn't happened, no matter what happens that's bad today, as long as that doesn't happen, life is actually pretty fucking great. And like, dude, we're, we're getting back to stoicism, dude. Yeah. I'm telling you, dude, Google stoicism. The shit is so dank. Like that's, that's a stoic mentality where people, they say that you should tie up your loose ends in life as if you're going to die tomorrow. Like mentally, literally actually accept the fact that you could die tomorrow and feel it feel how bad it feels like let yourself feel that misery because if you actually feel that misery there is no way in hell you're gonna let dota control how you feel no fucking way if you actually feel the legitimate misery of accepting that you could die tomorrow i'm not talking about understanding that it's possible that is absolutely not what i'm talking about and it's a different thing to actually feel the misery of thinking convince yourself i'm going to die tomorrow and do everything you can tell your dad that you love them tell your mom that you love them tell your estranged sister who you fucking hate because she took all of your pokemon cards and burned them because she <laughs> thought they were stupid when you were a child tell her that you regret you you wish that you had a better relationship and you want to go meet up for coffee like actually do what you would do to accept that feeling of misery that you're going to die tomorrow and if you do that if you can truly do that you are fucking free you are a free person if you can do that. There's a lot more to stoicism too, but that's a, that's a huge, uh, huge. I, I think it's um. There, there's there's a word for it in in, in Latin. Memento mori. I, I don't know if it's Latin. Let me let me. Is, I'm not gonna Google it. But memento mori means yeah. means essentially, um, like thinking thinking about death, accepting death, uh, some, some something like that. But memento mori is basically like the 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 it's become like the concept of. I'm going to die tomorrow, so I'm going to just do things as if that is the case. Um, and it's hard to do. It's not like people do it. Per- I'm not saying I do it perfectly. I mean, I, I'm, I'm totally in. Con- Dota totally controls me, but <laughs> <laughs> these other Stoics, they, the other Stoics that can control it, yeah. these guys, these guys are are you know like emperors and shit like that. These are these people are very successful. I guess a follow up question: The Zuck says, "I love playing Meepo. If someone." Is good or proficient at Meepo? Is it a good hero to spend to also gain MMR? Is a pick too volatile slash cheesy? No, it's great. That's the hero that like boosters use. Go for it. If you're if you're good at Meepo, feel free to last pick Meepo. But the only thing is like the reason boosters use that hero to gain MMR is because 
if you vastly outskill the people in, in a game, it'll be great. But if you don't vastly outskill the people in a game and they kill you a couple of times, uh, you're you're just feeding and will lose the game for your team with that pick. Like you have to basically not die at all and take a lead and completely stomp with it if you want to be good at Meepo. And if you're that good at Meepo, absolutely go for it. Um, it's just that, like, once again, I've I've played against people in on my Smurf, in, in my bracket on my main, which is, like, not, well, before calibrating, which wasn't exactly top 100, but it was, like, top 400. I played in rank uh, top 100 games. Like, I played in all of these different brackets, and I can tell you that in every bracket, it's really clear to me when somebody's picking Meepo and they belong in that bracket, and when somebody's picking Meepo and they're way better than everybody in that bracket. Yep. Because the, pe the people that belong in that bracket and are picking Meepo don't even need to be counterpicked. They will just lose the game because it's an easy hero to lose the game with. So it just depends on on how good you are at Meepo. Um, yeah. So if you're good enough or you feel confident where you can have a lot of pressure on you and, and succeed, then yeah, that's an amazing hero. But if you can't do that, then I would avoid Meepo at all costs because it's basically the hardest hero to, to win with. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think that when you are looking at... I mean, we get this question so much, like every single video, every single Alchemy Answers. How do I climb from X bracket to X bracket quickly? How do I boost my account, essentially? And we always give the answer of pick the heroes that you like and play the role that you like. But let me give you a more sort of like kind of cheat code answer. If you are super good at a cheese hero, like Meepo, Huskar, Visage, Lycan, um, let's just say those, those four, because those are like the really, really cheesy ones that can actually solo carry games. If you are way better than the people in your bracket at one of those four heroes, pick that hero. If you, and keep in mind that if you want to be really good at one of those heroes, you're going to have to practice it and you're going to lose a lot because those heroes, because they are so cheesy, because they are so momentum-based and because you are trying to play in a way that 1v5s the other team and solo carries to be like a booster, you need to understand that you are taking a much higher risk for potentially a greater reward, which is very quick and easy games. That being said, if you are not way better than your bracket on one of these heroes, pick a very, very stable hero that will consistently perform well. Whether you have a good laning stage or a bad laning stage, whether you have good supports or bad supports, whether you have a good team fighting lineup or a bad team fighting lineup. And heroes, like for a carry role, I think a hero a couple patches ago that fit this role was Terrorblade because it basically felt like no matter what happened in the early game, once the game got to about 35 or 40 minutes, Terrorblade just wins. This patch... Press, press meta, press manta, hit tower. Exactly. This this patch, it's a little bit more like... I mean, I, Lifestealer kind of. I would say that even better than that at the lower brackets is Phantom Assassin. I think if you want to go from like 1k to 2k or 1k to 3k very quickly, just play PA every single game. Like, or CK. Both of those heroes essentially can solo carry games if they just get enough farm. And most of those games at that tier, you will be allowed to get enough farm. And it's just a matter of not, like, not, not being just a chain feeder. But the thing is, the difference between a, a Phantom Assassin and a Meepo is, yes, the Meepo might allow you to just, like, win games in 20 minutes over and over and over if you're that good at Meepo. But there's a very good chance that if you are in a certain bracket and you've been there for a while, you probably aren't going to be way better than everybody else at Meepo. And unless you spend a lot of time practicing it, 
you could also just pick PA and just have a reasonably good game. It's a very low risk hero. Even if you have a bad game and you're still learning to last it on the hero, there's a pretty good chance that you just get Battle Fury, Desolator, BKB, and then you can just still one hit heroes no matter what happens. So that's what I would have to say about that. Thank you so much for tuning in to Alchemy Answers, episode 22. Uh, good questions this week, boys and girls. We will see you hopefully on Thursday for our replay review. If you guys want to tune in. Otherwise, we'll see you at some point. Um, I'm casting all this week. If you guys want to tune in to the replay event. And Jenkins, you're casting for ESL Mumbai soon, right? Yeah, I think tomorrow. I need to look at the schedule. Awesome. All right. Take care, guys. And good luck in your games. Hello, everyone, and thank you for watching the video. We genuinely appreciate your time and attention spent with us here on the YouTube channel. 